May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be always acceptable to you, O God, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. For about a year, I have been worshiping among you, sort of hiding out there in the pews, about the fourth or fifth row back on this side. And in that time, I've heard some pretty wonderful sermons. And they are usually, as I recall, almost always based primarily on the gospel lesson. That is my usual preaching style, too, to preach on the gospel. But this morning, this first time that I have been invited to preach among you, I'm going to depart from that usual practice and preach on the psalm, the 23rd psalm, which we have all just chanted together. I do this because when I studied the lessons this week and researched shepherds and sheep and their habits, I thought about what they tell us in our world today, and I I sort of got lost, frankly. I don't know sheep or shepherding all that well, and it's certainly not as it was known in agrarian Palestine in the first century. And I kept being drawn back to the psalm, to praying it and thinking about it. And when that happens to me, I know that I really need to explore that part of the assigned lessons that are niggling me. So this morning, I invite you to come with me into the 23rd Psalm. I suspect that many of you, like me, learned the 23rd Psalm as a child. King James Version, of course, page 476 of the BCP. I learned it when I was about eight years old. And what I learned then, and felt then, was based on an eight-year-old's worldview. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yeah, right, said my eight-year-old self. I always wanted something, new skates, my own room, to be Annie's best friend, perpetual summer vacation. I wanted many things, and no matter how much I asked the Lord, he always he, didn't give me anything I wanted, (laughs) like that trip to the boardwalk that all the other kids got to go on. I wondered, how could that man, a shepherd, my Sunday school teacher very carefully explained to me, how could that shepherd in the bathrobe with the cloth on his head and a crook in his hand ever help me to not want anything, or better yet, Give me things I really wanted. How did I tap into that magic? He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. I knew that the S on the end of words and the these and the that vows had to do with the way we were to supposed to talk to the Lord, a way that was not in real language or a way I would talk to any people I really knew or had contact with. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures on that itchy green grass, I thought. The Lord not only required inaccessible language when speaking to him, always a him, but he, always a he, forced me to lie down on itchy grass in the presence of my enemies. I wondered how it could possibly be good to be forced to lie down on itchy grass with the older kids watching me to make fun of me. I imagine, anyway, that it must have been the older kids who were my enemies, since I really didn't even know what an enemy was. And then, and then I walked in the valley of the shadow of death. I didn't want to think about death, 
None of us want to think about death. So I just skimmed over that part mentally and emotionally and put up a wall that made it nearly impossible for me to get through the rest of the psalm. I spoke the words without ever really thinking about what they meant. I wonder how many of us, now well past that eight-year-old stage of looking at things, are like that with the prayers and the psalms and the creeds and even the 23rd Psalm. We, too, skip over the difficult or uncomfortable parts and rest easily in the feel-good parts, the parts that affirm us or prove our righteousness or just plain make us feel good. It's easy to rest in the, comfortable, in the comfort of a rod and staff or, more accurately, the thought of comfort than think about walking through the valley of the shadow of death and fearing evil or not fearing evil or even acknowledging that evil exists. Easier just not to think about it, even today. But the truth is, there are some very disquieting words and thoughts in this oh-so-familiar psalm. Death, fear, evil, enemy. And frankly, I'm not so sure shepherd is all that great a metaphor for our lives in the 21st century either. Any more than thinking of God as exclusively he or him or male is. As a child, I could skip over the difficult parts. But as a citizen, an adult, Christian citizen of the 21st century world, it is the disquieting words and thoughts that I need, that we all need to wrestle with, that we might be ones who truly find the comfort and presence of God in our lives. The valley of the shadow of death gives us a way of thinking about our own mortality. The valley of the shadow of death is not so much about the final death we will all embrace but rather the many endings or deaths in our lives that we help us to prepare for it. I have come to understand the shadow of death as our human condition, the very reality of being human. It might help us to think of all of those endings or death experiences as a foretaste and to recognize that such experiences can free us. We have all seen and experienced various kinds of endings or deaths in some form. Violence, the loss of a mate or job or community, disease or divorce or impediment, loneliness or aging, fear, phobias, and or estrangements. All of these human experiences teach us about death and make it familiar. When we are constantly aware of God's presence with us in these shadow experiences, they can set us free in ways we could not have imagined before we found ourselves entangled in them. For death does just that. It frees us. It sets us free. The psalm says it. God walks with us, trusting and trusting that is often often our challenge. But when we do trust that God is walking with us, endings and change, no matter what they are, no matter how difficult, can set us free. Evil and enemies are other difficult words in this psalm. 
They're hard and thorny ideas to think about as Christians. For the past two weeks, we would have had to have been living under a rock not to have been aware of them. For the news media has had us constantly thinking about evil and our public enemy. This idea of enemy has been in the headlines and the top of every news hour. However, and however we may feel about the death of Osama bin Laden and how it came about, we know only too tangibly that enemy and evil are not abstract concepts hidden in biblical language from our childhood, nor are they words that only apply to other people or those who view the world and life and faith differently than we do. Every human being is capable of evil, and every human being is capable of being someone's enemy, even if only their own. Living as a Christian in the 21st century means we need to use those biblical words very carefully, especially when pointing to others, and be ready to examine ourselves truthfully, and then by faith, able to acknowledge when in our desire to get what we want, just like that eight-year-old, when we, when we desire to get what we want and instead become the hands of evil or the cause of pain or discomfort for others that we are all capable of being. God, not he, not she, but God, will be with us in our self-examination beside us in the still waters and through the valley. And God will set a table for us, innocent or guilty. God sets a table that this altar and all others like it are merely foretastes of. God sets a table for all of us, in shadows, in good times and bad, in death and in life. God sets a table for us with our enemies who become our company in eternity. The 23rd Psalm is still very powerful for me, and I hope for you too, perhaps more powerful as we try to make it a new mantra in this new century. One that invites us to go to the challenging, thorny places we encounter in our lives and thoughts and come away free, knowing that God is with us. God is still with us. I invite you to take your insert from the bulletin home and to pray it and think about this 23rd Psalm, even though it's not the King James Version the way it should be. Um, but I hope that this Psalm continues to nourish and enrich and guide you as you continue on your spiritual journey. Amen. Amen.